Hello, everybody. Once again, sports fans, it is an edition of the DC Sports Huddle, and uh, Dave Johnson is on vacation, so I am pinch hitting as the host. I'm Rob Woodfork, alongside the usual cast of characters, Chris Chion, Dave Preston, and of course, George Wallace, who has been at Washington football practice pretty much throughout the preseason or throughout the uh, training camp, and we're about to start the preseason. And uh, George, you've you've seen practices. You've been down to Richmond. Uh, what should we look for when they kick off the preseason on uh, Thursday in New England? Well, it, what? Uh, keep in mind, we didn't have the preseason last year, so it's going to be a little bit different this year. And coaches are kind of looking forward to it because and also only three games as opposed to four. That's true. And you know, coaches and players saying they still hate the preseason, but <laughs> it's still a chance to kind of consistency was the big word that players and coaches were throwing around this week. You want to, uh, number one, uh, get out of there without any injuries. That's first and foremost. You don't want anybody to get injured. And then consistency for quarterbacks. It's getting in and out of the huddle, the cadence, the rhythm, the timing, uh, you know, for the rookies, it's putting on the uniform for the first time and kind of bright lights for the first time, uh, seeing how they handle things. Uh, you know, with this first preseason game, you know, there's no game planning for the first preseason game. It's kind of going out and doing your things, uh, and see what you've been working on the previous two weeks, see how that translates to in the game, on the field. The next couple of weeks, as Ron Rivera told us this morning, like the, even that third week against the Ravens is going to be more of a mock game week. Now, there are only three preseason games, but that third game, after that third game, they'll still have 10 days before the opener. So I think the teams will treat that game like a normal third game where you see teams, you know, players playing a half, maybe a series into the third quarter, as there was some thought maybe, you know, with three games, would they use the second game for that? So I think a lot of that's still up in the air and coaches are still trying to figure that out. But it sounds like this team is going to use that third game as a typical third game, a mock game week. So for this week, you kind of just want to see, you know, uh, some how things have gone the first couple of weeks. You don't want a couple three and outs on offense. On defense, you love the three and outs. So it's kind of see how you, you know, you look at it on both sides of the ball. But I'm mean, curious to see how, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick comes out, leads this offense for the first time, uh, you know, how this defense uh, gets going and their couple of series against New England. Uh, William Jackson III, the new cornerback, I don't expect him to play. He's been nursing that leg injury. I'm anxious to see him actually on the field. But, you know, we'll see the Atlanta Collins back for the first time since tearing his ACL, uh, you know, um, on the uh, defensive side. Of, you know, of course, the front four, uh, the front seven, I should say. Uh, you know, you're not going to see Ryan Kerrigan this year for the first time. So, Things like that, just to kind of see things sprinkled in here and there, get their first couple of series, get in, get out, however long they play, and uh, more importantly, injury-free. Stay upright. That's right. And the offensive line, I've been saying it all offseason, I want to see how this offensive line performs. Are they able to open some holes for the running game? Are they able to protect Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because if Fitzpatrick is on his back the whole uh, yeah. first quarter, then we don't get to see – uh, the timing with the receivers or any of that. Um, what about you, uh, Dave? What are you looking for in this preseason game? A couple things. First, I'm looking to see how the quarterbacks embrace the system. Fitzpatrick, even though he's a veteran, he's technically going to a new offense this year. We know he's going to pick it up. He went to Harvard, so he's not a dummy by any stretch of the imagination. But let's see how quickly – he's able to really absorb the offense in game situations. Also, the other quarterbacks on the roster, who will be QB2 and QB3 moving forward? Not to take, uh, not to, I guess, maybe uh, 
think that uh, Steven Montez isn't going to make this roster, but let's see what everybody has to offer over the for over these three games. Also, who's on the roster bubble? I think USA Today uh, earlier this uh, uh, summer uh, thought Steven Sims Jr., John Bostic, Wes Martin were guys who might find their way off the roster or might actually become contrib- uh, contributing factors to this team. Let's see where they are because – Training camp, you know, for the most part, who you're starting 11 are, give or take. You know who's – if a guy's not – if a guy starts off training camp as a starter and winds up not starting, he still is probably in the rotation if he's not hurt. But who are players number 40 to 53? Who are the special teamers? Who are the rookies who might surprise us? I'm curious to see that. Yeah, and they are stacked. I mean, quietly, they are stacked at wide receiver. I mean, where where is uh, Antonio Gandy Golden ranked in the? I mean, what is he like the seventh receiver? And he was a fourth round pick last year that yeah. uh, a lot of fans had some high hopes for. Uh, what are you looking for, Chris? And what about Kelvin Harmon? I mean, he's somebody yeah. when he drafted everybody was high on and uh they added curtis samuel to this group who can be the swiss army knife play the running back or wide receiver role but looking for a couple of things here jamin davis will he play uh very many snaps here and we hear so much about the front seven right pro football focus ranked this secondary number 11 in the nfl i thought that was pretty generous but did do some digging up on william jackson um he does play really strong in man coverage. And I think the trio there in the secondary, at least at corner, um, it's a strong unit. And I really want to just see them, though. How much are they going to really play? Are we going to see more of the rookies on the back end? And, um, you know, also the quarterback play, too. I mean, are we going to really see Taylor Heineke play very many snaps? I don't see Fitzpatrick playing a whole lot, maybe a drive or two. Um I think Heineke might get a little bit of a bulk. He will because Kyle Allen still hasn't practiced in a while. He's not going to play. And you may see Montez for at least a quarter. Um, he's been playing. The, he's getting all the third string reps in practice the last couple of weeks because Allen's still day-to-day with that ankle. So he's not going to play. Set. He, he won't play third. It kind of feels like he's trending in a direction of getting stashed away on injured reserve uh, to start the season. Is that is that what it feels like to you, George? As far as Kyle Allen, yeah, I mean, yeah. he said the coach keeps saying he's very anxious to get him back. He says he's close. We see him working on the side, but he's running, he's sprinting. Yeah. Um, so it seems like it's close, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, who knows? I mean, he keeps they, they keep talking about the quarterback. It's not a competition. It is a competition, but it's not. Right. Um, and he says when Allen gets back, he'll be thrown into the mix. I don't buy that uh, unless. I mean, I think something's going to have to really go wrong with Fitzpatrick for him not to be starting in Week One, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, we'll his, it's his job to lose. I don't think you pay yeah. somebody $10 million to be a uh, backup. Uh, I mean, right. unless you're Oakland <laughs> but, or, uh, or Las Vegas, rather. I'm still living in the past, apparently. Uh, I haven't slipped and called uh, Washington its old name yet, so uh, I guess we're winning in that respect. But um, under the old name, they had some uh, preseason superstars, as I like to call them. Every year, there's somebody that fans fall in love with and think is going to be the next big thing. And uh, because Tom Brady was taken in the sixth round, uh, there was several years ago, actually now more than a decade ago, I'm starting to get old. Um, it was uh, Colt Brennan, the 2008 sixth round pick 
who everybody fell in love with. And I don't know how much you guys remember that, but uh, that 2008 preseason, I mean, he was, he was pretty legit. He, he lit it up in the hall of fame game. Uh, he ended up being the top rated passer among rookies in the preseason. Uh, but uh, he never ever got into a regular season game between injury and opportunity. And he had some off the field problems and he actually tragically passed away uh, earlier this year. But um, that was a guy that everybody was convinced in Washington was going to be the next Tom Brady. Didn't work out that way. But there's always somebody that we believe is going to be the next great thing. Uh, Chris, is there is there any guy that uh, that you think of off the top of your head from from uh, preseasons past? Eleven years ago, Donovan McNabb, he did go out there against the Buffalo Bills, do two series um, through a touchdown pass, and then ended up getting hurt somewhere along the line in the preseason and wasn't playing, whether that was serious or not, uh, or precautionary remains to be uh, found out. But I just think this is a guy that I not think I know that he certainly failed all of those lofty expectations that at that point of his career, I, I don't, I, I you, they probably set him up to, to fail more so than anything. I mean, not investing in a line in front of him when you paid Hainsworth. So, uh, but I do remember the excitement of Matt McNabb getting traded to Washington and the prospect of him leading this offense. I mean, he was supposed to be a perfect fit for the Shanahan offense. I mean, I'm still yeah. trying to figure out how in the world that didn't work out because on paper that should have worked out famously. And I remember they, they beat the Eagles in the first game, uh, lost that second one badly after he got the contract extension. But um, oh. yeah, the Monday night massacre. I mean, I'm still, I'm still paying off that bet. But the first game, they ended up winning, but he didn't play well. Like he completed half, uh, less than half of his passes. Like it was a disaster. But uh, George, is there a guy actually? And I'm thinking of this now. Is there a guy that is a preseason superstar right now? Is there a guy who's standing out in camp who may or may not make the roster? I don't know. I don't think right now, honestly. I mean, I think you have to see in games uh, because there's been so few kind of reps right now in practice. I mean, I, I couldn't give, really give you anybody now that. Uh, you know, that uh, as far as a new guy that we came at, you know, the Cam Sims of the preseasons past, like he's a guy that has been still I mean, I think he's firmly on this roster, I think, but um, oh, wow, oh, yeah, I think so. I do. So, um, I mean, uh, so, I mean they're, they, they're probably going to keep what six receivers, seven receivers. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be about seven because Sims, like Steven Sims, you're talking about whoever mentioned before being on the bubble, but. If he's returning punts, I mean, I think he's kind of be locked in. You got Deami Brown, you got him, you got Gold, Gandy Golden. Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting thing at, at, uh, at wide receiver for sure. But how about in the past? Can we go in the past? You ready for? I'll give you two yeah, names. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what Dave Preston's going to take with his names. I mean, he's got a whole list, so I feel right. like you're safe. All right. I'll award. give you two. I'll give you two. You go. You got Marcus Mason. Yeah. You know Marcus Mason, the running back. Yep. Oh, seven. And then Marco Mitchell, number 84, the wide receiver. <laughs> that was going to be oh. my bonus right there if nobody else said it. Marco Mitchell never played a snap yeah. in the regular season, but everybody was convinced. He's six foot four, ran a 4-4-40. Everybody was convinced he was going to be Randy Moss 2.0. Didn't really happen in games that actually mattered. All right, right, Dave, I know you're chomping at the bit here, man. This is right up your alley, and oh, you have a no. full-on list because Dave oh. Preston. 
Well, a couple of years ago for uh, WTOP.com, the Burgundy and Gold grab b- a bag, I actually created this award called the Babe Laufenberg Trophy. He is the ultimate, ultimate. Washington football preseason giant. Uh, he actually, I think, won a Super Bowl ring with the Cowboys. He, he's now a TV guy in Dallas and is their color analyst, I believe, on radio still. But he's a guy who made his preseason name for the Burgundy and Gold back in the day. And Bobby Bethard said, Gosh darn it, he's, it's a shame that we can't keep a guy like him on the roster, but we're not keeping him on the roster. So I've named the trophy after him. And a few years ago, I did a deep dive into preseason stars just on, in, the, in the Jay Gruden era. So get ready to be wowed or underwhelmed. 2014, Colt McCoy completes 73% of his passes, 111.6 passer rating. He almost won the award again in 2017. That was won by Josh Harvey Clemens. 15 tackles plus an INT return for a touchdown. 2015 wide receiver Rashad Ross, 25 catches for 266 yards and four scores, although linebacker Jackson, Jeff Coat notched four sacks, a fumble recovery and an interception. We take you back to 2016 now. Do you guys remember Mac Brown, not the North Carolina coach, oh, yeah. but oh, yeah. the running back? Running back. 39 running carries, back. 227 yards, looking like Larry Brown, wound up not – Playing much not being at all, uh, as yes, uh, like and, uh, Larry Brown, the basketball coach. <laughs> yeah, 2018 we had running back Capri Bibbs, uh, 106 yards rushing, 119 yards receiving. Although that. linebacker Sean Dion Hamilton finished a close second with 26 tackles that year. Of course, this is subjective and 100 accurate. 2019, the last year under Jay Gruden, Jimmy Moreland was the early guy. Jeremy Reeves wound up leading the team in tackles. He gets the Babe Laufenberg Trophy for 2019. We didn't have one last year. I look forward to seeing who might claim it this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like J.D. McKissick uh, just because he's going to get a lot of uh, a lot of touches offensively. I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up big numbers. I'm not saying that we're all going to get excited about him, but after the three preseason games, we'll be like, wow, he did this. Pretty impressive. No, I think the, if two, anything- the name, the J.G., I, I looked it up. I just had to look it up because I can't remember the name. Samaje P. Ryan is who Jay yeah. Gruden loved. <laughs> loved oh, yeah. him. I'll never forget. Uh-huh. I asked him in Richmond a couple years ago about uh, who was uh, who was it? I can't remember who it was. But then he 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 like he snaps like don't forget about P. Ryan like the, the, the guy that just loved to get his name out there. He liked Capri mm-hmm. Bibbs too. Yeah, he did, and. Uh... I think the guy to watch now in that same vein is uh, Jared Patterson. The Jared player, Patterson, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I was going to say it, too. Yeah. Is there, I mean, if he has a big preseason, I mean, that gives him an opportunity to maybe make the roster. I, yeah. I and he's actually, he's team. actually caught some eyes, I think in practice. I've noticed him a couple of times, you know, mentioned his name a couple of times when he's had some things. DeAndre Carter too. He's had mm-hmm. a few, you know, plays here and there. So we'll see. There's going to be somebody that's going to come out of it and, and win the award. And DeAndre Carter's the uh, he's going to be the getting the first crack at, uh, at return man, isn't he? Probably. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's a guy who could make the roster just yeah. off special teams right there because yeah. I mean, you figure your your last two receivers have to be able to play special teams. So. And I mean, remember when you know even a couple of years ago, with Stephen Sims was returning punts. He asked Jay Gruden why. He goes, "Well, he's the only one that can catch the ball." So that's where we were at that point. <laughs> yeah. If you can catch it back there, you can return. Yeah, but he's not been good back. No, no. <laughs> I think Trey, Trey anything, Quinn. Anything's gone, gone wrong if he's their starting return yeah. man this season. 
And gentlemen, I think one more thing, uh, you know, about what we're looking for to, uh, this preseason, uh, much like preseasons passed under the previous coaching regime, it felt like the team was sleepwalking through August, uh, Camp J or whatever, uh, you know, and they always seem to be very sluggish in September. I think that's one of the first things we saw last fall when they came out and played so well in the second half of that win over Philadelphia to start the season and get them rolling. I'm looking forward to seeing how crisp this team is because I think they might not go three and zero like the 2013 team uh, went four and zero and may have a preseason banner somewhere in Bruce Allen's house. But uh, I think we're going to see a much crisper team that there's uh, there's more focus on the execution and it, it, it. I just have this feeling that this team is going to be sharper. I expect them to be sharper, especially in year two under the system, uh, both offensively and defensively. Well, tell you, all, there's nothing, definitely no, nothing's going to no be, nothing's going to be as crisp as the uh, Osaka game in 2002. We're almost oh, coming oh. up on, I can't wait for the 30 for 30 on that one. There's definitely no, definitely <laughs> no club, club J no, no club Ron this year. I mean, he's having walkthroughs at eight o'clock at night. He means business and he's going to make sure this team is ready to go. Uh, so definitely no club J anymore. Yeah. And that military bra- uh, background <laughs> almost ensures that you're going to have a yeah. uh, way stricter, uh, uh, camps than uh, uh, they ever did under Gruden. Uh, George, I know you got a, a sports cast to go do, but uh, let's uh, get to the Nationals real quick. Uh, I mean, I, I know they're basically playing out the string, 50 games left in the season. What are we looking for, uh, looking for out of them the rest of the way? I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, you'd like to see, you know, obviously the new guys, some of the new, the young guys that are giving a chance to play. I mean, you want to see them start to be consistent. You want to see, you know, some of the, some of the young pitchers, maybe give them a little more leash later in games and where you wouldn't, if you're playing for a playoff thing, you want, you'd like to see Corbin, you know, start pitching like he, his contract, it should be, uh, you know, Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, guys like that towards the finish the season strong and granted, yes, the end of one season means absolutely nothing in spring training. I get that, but you'd like to see, some sort of consistency down the stretch here. Uh, you know, while they are mailing it in, you don't want to see a mail it in. Uh, I mean, you know, and if I hear Davey Martinez say one more time, the boys are playing hard, fine. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, for me, that's what I would be looking for. See some of these young guys come around, put together a good couple of weeks strings here, and then uh, to see what you have, get an idea, a better idea of what you have going into spring training. And I, I mean, the guy I'm looking at is Josiah Gray. I mean, that guy, yeah. he, he looked really good in his second start through uh, 10 strikeouts in five innings, uh, played well enough for them to win. I know he didn't get credited with the win, but uh, he played some winning baseball on the mound there. And I, I mean, it, it seems to me like he's already the ace of the rotation yeah. sooner rather than later, because I mean, who else would you even categorize as an ace? at this point and you want to develop him into an ace. So, I mean, like you said, I would like to see him get deeper into games. His two starts, he's only gone five innings. I'd like right. to see him dip into six, seven innings. See if, uh, if he still has his stuff uh, later in games. And uh, that's the other thing too. You can see, you can, and you can put him in game situations where maybe necessarily you wouldn't, if you're, you know, two games out of first, you know what I mean? Like, let, let's right. see how he handles certain situations. You can kind of treat it like a spring training per se. Right. And plus the bullpen is not very good no. <laughs> at all. <laughs> all right. I'll see you guys next week. All right, George. Uh, how about you, Chris? What are you looking for from the Nationals the rest of the way? 
Patrick Corbin needs to improve. For what he gets paid, he literally goes out every start and gets bombed. And I don't know what you do at this point. Do you just keep rolling him out as an innings eater? The rest of this season, yes. But next year, maybe you do sort of look to fix his mechanics. Right now, it is not working. You want to see Juan Soto continuing to smile, having a good time, because not before long, we'll be talking about his free agency. And what's the question of him wanting to say, you know, I, I've always wanted to be a Yankee or something like that and, and skipping town. Um, so, you know, you want to see the, the, the nucleus of this team. You want to see improvements out of the young guys, these guys that they traded for. Um, whether they're here or they're still in the minor leagues uh, performing well to have some optimism because this division is not going to get any easier. I think they're kind of getting a light year with the Mets sort of starting to fall off a little bit here, but here comes Atlanta a little bit, Philadelphia too. Um, and I think that's a down year for the division, but it will only get better. And you don't want to be in this purgatory like the Orioles are. You ever watch an Orioles game? And we, you know, it's still in the pandemic, but you can go to games now. No one's going to them. I mean, but we, we can finally go to baseball games and no one's going because they're so bad. And I don't think Washington gets to that point, but um, you, you just don't, you want this rebuild to take quick I, I guess yeah and it kind of feels like for the next uh, year and a half two years uh it feels like it's going to be them and the marlins kind of jockeying to stay out of the division basement because it feels like the the braves are, are competitive so are the mets uh it just feels like it's going to be a, a long year and a half at least uh what are you seeing dave I see guys playing for jobs over the next 50 games. This is the longest closing stretch this team has had since 2011 when they were a sub 500 club, even though they finished under 500 last year, they were in contention for the first 48 or 50 games technically. And so they still had a shot to claim one of those wild cards. Uh, they want to getting eliminated mid September. So a 50 game stretch where even though you're still in contention right now, you know, you don't have the horses to make the ground up. You're going to see guys playing for jobs, uh, playing for spots in the lineup. Carter Keeboom, can he be the everyday third baseman for this franchise moving forward? Uh, is, is Luis Garcia a, uh, is he a shortstop? Is he a second baseman? Or is he a Wilmer Defoe that kind of plays a little of both and is primarily a defensive sub? You look at Andrew Stevenson and Victor Robles. Can either of those guys hit to justify their glove in center field? I think, Robles has a much better glove in center field, but Stevenson has a little bit of a better bat, but neither you, you, it's like you put both of them together and you've got one solid guy. Almost. It's like when Carlos Rogers and uh, D'Angelo Hall split time at corner, one could make tackles. One could make interceptions. Unfortunately, only one could be on the field at, the, at, at, a, at a time. And I think you need to find out if, Robles or Stevenson is going to be your everyday center fielder moving forward because right now each is playing like a good fourth outfielder on a good team, but you need, you need a keystone in there at center field. I think there's guys that are going to be pitching for spots in the rotation, whether it's Eric Fetty or Joe Ross, both of those guys have been consistently uneven this season. Patrick Corbin hasn't been good, but he is in this rotation because of the contract. It's, it would be very difficult for them uh, if they're not the Yankees or the Dodgers to cut him loose or throw him into the bullpen, given how much money he makes. 
Jojo Gray or Josiah Gray. Let's see what he can do. I think we're going to see guys audition for roles on the 2022 roster starting yesterday. And I think we're going to see that play out over the next 50 games. Yeah. And, uh, and actually to your, uh, to your points uh, about the, um, about the issues in the outfield. I mean, they, they moved Josh Bell to the outfield uh, over the weekend and had, uh, and then started uh, Ryan Zimmerman at first base. So, you know, they're, they're trying hard to figure something out there in the outfield. And speaking of Ryan Zimmerman, uh, the next game he plays as of the taping of this show, uh, we don't have the lineups yet, but uh, assuming that Ryan Zimmerman plays, he will set a new franchise record for games played, 1,768 if he is in the lineup. So congratulations to him. Uh, the staying power, I mean, I, you know, I, he's a part-time player at this point, and it sounds like he wants to be a part-time player, and it sounds like he embraces that role. It'll be interesting to see if this is, in fact, his swan song because this is a rebuilding team. And for a, a guy at his age and, and, and um, you know, just kind of where he is in his career, I don't know that it makes sense to have him uh, have him along for the ride on a rebuild. Um, uh, Dave, you uh, we got some uh, college football news today. Why don't we uh, touch on that before we sign off? Yes, uh, the coaches uh, poll, uh, not to be confused with the Associated Press poll. I think that comes out next Monday. It's the USA Today coaches poll released its top 25 Big shocker, Alabama is number one again. I think, yeah, yeah, no, it's not a misprint. Alabama is number one once again. Uh, Maryland and, and Navy both uh, have a lot of optimism. I was at both media days over the last week. Both have questions concerning their quarterbacks. Can uh, Talia Tagovailoa build off of his first season as a starter? And that season was only four games. No Maryland quarterback has started every game of the season since 2014 and that was cj brown so it doesn't happen often where the guy whether it's injury whether it's ineffectiveness if maryland's going to be successful they need to have the right guy at quarterback they also need to have an offensive line that can protect him navy's big question is xavier our line started as a true freshman against army last fall that's something that you don't see often can he improve and take the helm or do they wind up going with plan b at quarterback with the option offense both teams should be much better this year, but both teams have much more difficult schedules this season. Looking at Maryland's schedule, they play number four, Ohio State, number 17, Indiana, number 18, Iowa, number 20, Penn State, West Virginia, and Michigan. Both come to College Park. Both receive votes in the preseason poll. Navy only plays two ranked teams, gentlemen, but both are in the top 10 in the preseason. They go to Notre Dame, and Cincinnati comes to Annapolis in late October. Beyond that, though, you look at seven other schools on Navy's schedule, from Marshall to Air Force to Houston, UCF, SMU, Tulsa, and Army. Each of those schools received some preseason honorable mention receiving votes. So each team could be better than last year, but each team might have or they might be hard-pressed to match their record percentage-wise. But regardless, I'm excited college football kicks off. We do have week zero in a few weeks, but Labor Day weekend, things got under, get underway in Annapolis, in uh, College Park, in Charlottesville, and in Blacksburg. Yeah, and I feel like we all knew that it was going to be tough on Maryland as soon as they made that move to the Big Ten. And we knew it was going to be tough on them in football. Uh, Chris, did you have a parting thought? Yeah, just to touch on Dave's point, took the words right out of my mouth with Navy schedule. If you go through it, I just don't see where their wins come this mm -hmm. year outside of against Temple 
late in the season, but every one of their games is tough. Even like East Carolina is an emerging program. So I'm going to talk about Virginia Tech real quick. Justin, is there a hotter seat than the one in Blacksburg? I'm not so sure. And I don't really know that Virginia Tech is going to be able to help him out. I mean, this is a team that used to be a powerhouse. I mean, not that long ago, I remember seeing the, the, the they play the Metallica song and all the kids go nuts. I mean, it is a lukewarm program at the moment. And I think that uh, they need to get some wins and maybe some upsets to save Fuente's job. The only way, and I, I'm going to jump on what Chris has said, the only way that his seat could be hotter is if Shane Beamer would be coaching a winning program at William and Mary or Richmond or Towson. Cause that would be, that would be, in, you know, to be like, Oh, Frank's son is coaching and he's coaching really well. And he's at a job where he could eventually jump up to Virginia tech. The son of Beamer is at South Carolina. So there's little chance he would go from Columbia to Blacksburg, but you never know. That would be a lateral move at best at best. But if he were one of these F, FCS schools and doing really well, oh my goodness, it would be lightning hot in Blacksburg. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse than being at a pro a program that's used to winning. That's not winning right now. All right, guys, we're going to break the huddle. This was uh, fun as always. Uh, I'm Rob Whitfork uh, at the wheel for uh, Dave Johnson uh, signing off for George Wallace. Who's off doing sports and uh, who knows what now, because it's not the 40, it's not 45 anymore. Uh, Chris Gian, Dave Preston signing off. Break the huddle. guys. <laughs>